All right, my name is Aaron Rhodes, and you are listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast. We're sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76th and Truce in Kansas City, Missouri. Today on the show, we have Carlos Calderon. How you doing? Good, good. Hello. But, yeah, so if anyone is not familiar, um, you're in a band called Pale Tongue yes. from Lawrence, Kansas, and you just released your debut EP. Yeah, it was our uh, first, I guess, major release. Um, it's our debut EP. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I guess before we get there, I want to get a little background, I think. So uh, I guess I'm just kind of curious, like, what kind of music you grew up listening to and, like, when you really got interested. Um, so the music that I grew up listening to is... I guess a lot different than the music that I write now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I listened to a lot of like uh, <laughs> hip hop, like, you know, like Hot 103, um, st- like stuff like that. And then um, I think I was always like drawn to like guitar uh, oriented music. So I started listening to like just like stupid, like, <laughs> like emo shit back in like, you know, like middle school and, um, pretty much all of like my high school like experience I was listening to like um just like all like all this all these indie bands like uh Modest Mouse, The Strokes, um The Killers were like a huge like influence in back in the day. Um and then I guess uh I started playing guitar when I was um a freshman in high school, transitioning like that summer going into becoming a sophomore. And, um, I think the shift happened, uh, when I went to college, uh, I went to the university of Kansas started in like 2013. Um, and I met a really good friend of mine. Um, I think, you know, him, uh, Doug Bybee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Groomer Peter is also his, uh, project name. Um, and he just like completely like introduced me to like all this new stuff. Um, stuff that I had like heard before, but I think I was kind of like hesitant to approach, um, and I had like a huge seismic shift, um, and now I really don't listen to a lot of the things that I had listened to before, um, which but I still like appreciate it. Uh, but um, yeah, like I've almost kind of done like a whole like one eighty on like my style and uh, the kind of stuff that I listen to now. So yeah, no, I'm kind of interested too, like in hearing about like what exact like era of like hot one Oh three you were listening <laughs> to and like also, and then like the emo that you got into afterwards, sure, yeah. like the specific types of stuff. Um, I mean, I was listening to like chingy, <laughs> like, you know, like, um, stuff like that. Just, uh, really just like a bunch of like top forties, like, uh, hip hop. Cause, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. My, my parents like weren't into like rock or anything like that. Uh, my, my dad's always been like a hip hop head and, um, my mom's just kind of been like whatever's into like, top 40, you know, whatever was going on. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was listening to like a lot of that stuff. My first, uh, what was my first ringtone? Um, <laughs> like one of those like little like T9 Samsung flip phones. Mm. Um, uh, was it holiday in? <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. If oh, that's man. what it was. I feel, that's that's funny. Like that's not even a question anyone would think of like <laughs> asking in 2018. But like for people that like came of age like ten oh, years yeah. ago, like 
you gotta know like what their the ringtone was. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, like, man, like you prided yourself on your ringtone and like your wallpaper because it was like, like it was like Holiday Inn, but then my wallpaper was um like a, a Green Day like wallpaper like on my phone like it like man, <laughs> it made no yeah, sense. Yeah, you're you're multidimensional. Uh, you, know, you got yeah. <laughs> you got both going on. Um, but I guess that was like. I guess Green Day was kind of my foray into alternative music. Mm. Um, and then I was just hanging out with like the emo kids, tried skateboarding in middle school. Everyone was listening to Panic, um, MCR, uh, AFI, and stuff like that. And mm. um, I mean, I guess I liked it. Like looking back, it's not like <laughs> I don't think I liked it as much as I thought I did. Um, but uh, that, like I said, like, um, kind of like led me into alternative indie, which was like really getting big at the time, you know, like, uh, around like 2009, like bands like death cab, uh, I mean, all those bands like literally blew up. Like I remember grizzly bear coming out and they're just like completely changed, changed like everything. And I mean, I'm still like a huge grizzly bear fan. Like I love them so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of like <laughs> what I was like into back then. <laughs> mm. And, does like your dad being a big hip hop head? Does he ever kind of wish that's like more the music you were making? Is that ever anything you've given a shot? Um, like does he not like does he connect with the, your your rock music at all? I think he appreciates that I do it. Um, he isn't really into like the stuff that like I guess I don't know what's going on like now. Like mm-hmm. if I showed him like Lil Uzi Vert, he would be like, "What is this dude?" <laughs> like he like loves Ghostface and Big Pun um, and kind of just like stuff from like. Uh, like mid nineties towards the end. Um, I don't necessarily think he would rather me do that. I think he enjoys that. Like I found like a niche and like, I'm like playing guitar and Mm. stuff like that. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And so were you saying that Doug kind of got you into like more kind of like psych rock and like, I think I had always like, I, I knew that I had like liked that stuff, but I guess I really didn't know how to like label it. You know, I didn't really know um, what I what I liked about like you know I, like I guess just like psych rock in general. Like I I had, like listened to Pink Floyd in like high school, and I was like, yeah, this is great. I just don't know like what this is. Um, and I think uh, so. Like my senior year coming into college, um, I had started to like yeah like, listen to like a lot of like older bands like. Um, like Pink Floyd and Zeppelin, stuff that people grew up like listening to, like since they were kids. And I had like just started to like um, experience those type of things. Um, and then uh, I, I hung out with uh, Doug. Um, we were like the only two people that like had instruments in our rooms and were really into um, just kind of like older stuff. And like slowly he was kind of like feeding me more and more. And um, man, he uh, showed me. <laughs> uh, Tame Paula, and I was like, oh, man, I'd heard that song before, and I thought it was, like, a John Lennon ripoff, you know? Um, and so uh, he actually tried to get me to go see Tame Paula at Starlight. They were there with the National, mm-hmm. and I was just like, man, I'm just, like, not feeling it. It's, like, like a weeknight in October. Like, we're in the dorms. I have to study. Like, I'm just not feeling it. But um, – I regret that because they're my favorite band now, like, like for sure. Um, and actually afterwards, uh, he was playing, um, Lonerism for me. And, uh, 
I was like, dude, like, what is this? And he was like, dude, this is the band that I told you to go see. Like, this is Tim and Paula. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm. Um, and so I think, like, Tim and Paula completely, like, like that opened up, the like, the world you neo know, psychedelia to me and then opened up, like, I don't know, just, like, all the all this different type of, like, uh, just, like, garage noise and punk that, like, I just, like, I, I guess I always wanted to listen to, but I never really found out how to, you know? Oh, yeah, so. it's it's always, like, it, it's even something I've been thinking about a lot lately is just, like, when you finally kind of find or, like, learn about the context that, yeah. like, an album or a band came from, like, it really helps you appreciate and enjoy them more, in my opinion. Like, you can show, like, a 12-year-old as many bands as you want, but, like, most likely they're, like, even if they do kind of like them, like, they're not going to get like all the, I don't know, like what really makes them special and right. all that. Yeah, so all it's kind of, yeah, it's sure. what's, what's fun about, you know, discovering music and learning about it as you kind of grow up. So. Yeah. And I mean, um, Doug and I ended up living together the next year and, uh, like, um, I guess like for lack of a better term, like my musical knowledge, like almost ex- like kind of exploded. Um, because I was just, like, consuming all, all this. I mean, Doug has, like, a huge record collection, too. And so it was just, like, a library that I was able to, like, pull from, like, all the time. Like, um, I guess if if you listen to, like, my music now, uh, like, someone, I don't know if, if it's true or not, but someone might be able to discern that, like, I'm a, I'm a Jimi Hendrix fan. And I had never, like, really sat down and listened to any Jimi Hendrix album until... Um, my freshman year of college living with Doug and I had listened to, um, are you experienced Jimi Hendrix's first album? And that like, that was one of the moments that completely, uh, changed how I thought about like music and how I approached, um, even playing guitar. Cause, um, I, I had been playing guitar at that point for maybe like five years, um, but I had just been playing acoustic. I was like, man, I'm just like going to like play like Modest Mouse covers and stupid <laughs> shit like that. I, I don't like Modest Mouse by any means now. Like, <laughs> like hey, Isaac Brock. Um, but uh, that's kind of like what I was into. Um, and then I was like, holy shit, like, this is like nuts. Like, I have to like learn how to like play music in this manner. Um so I like traded a guitar in like one of my acoustics. I bought like my Strat that I play today, um, and uh, I you know, ended up buying my the Vox that I play on today. Um, and I mean that's all because I had listened to that album. You mm-hmm. know, it's like I was like wanting to know how Tim and Paula was making these sounds, but I was wanting to know how Jimi Hendrix like was playing the way he was playing. Um, and then I was like, the only way I'm going to do that is uh, to just get the equipment and to just like start to do it. And, uh, since then it's like taking me down like this long path of, uh, I don't know, I guess like psych rock, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Psych rock is a lot of things. And, um, I wouldn't necessarily call, uh, pale tongue psych rock. I mean, like, I guess it is, you know, you can't really deny that it is, but, um, there's so many different like facets of like, I guess the psychedelic experience and like music that like are completely different than just like playing like blues pentatonic scales and stuff like that all the time, you know? Um, like, uh, there's this band that I started uh, listening to called, uh, I think it's Alton Gyun. It's, it's like this Turkish band. Uh, um, and it's 
it's just like really weird. It's not like, I mean, it's rock, but it's not like, I don't know. Turkish music. Mm. <laughs> it's like nuts. <laughs> but yeah. So. And so eventually you and Doug started playing in a band called Real Adults, right? Yeah. It's with uh, Gary yeah. Marsh. Real Adults. We, um, so Doug and I were jamming together like all the time. Doug got a kit. Uh, we moved out, but we still hung out all the time. He got his own place and he got like a drum kit. Um, I like brought over my rig and we had another buddy. Uh, he, uh, came over and played bass with us. We would just jam. We were jamming for like a couple months at a time, wrote a couple songs. Um, Doug knew John McCain and John McCain was in real adults at the time with Garrett Marsh and Nick Fredrickson. And they were looking for some new members and um, they asked us to join because they knew that we were, like, jamming. We had, like, our own little, like, mini mini group or whatever. Um, so then, yeah, uh, Doug and I joined Real Adults. I joined as uh, the guitarist and Doug on keys. Um, and we were with them for about a year. Um, we did a lot of shows locally. We did a couple shows out of town. Um, we did Farmer's Ball. I guess that was, like, the big thing that we did. We we won that year, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and then it kind of uh, just kind of dissipated. I think everybody wanted to do something different, even Garrett himself. Um, and, I mean, Garrett's doing Why God Why now, which is, like, super cool. Such a talented musician. Um, but Pale Tongue kind of came out of um, Nick and I. Uh, at Like, pretty much after every Real Adults practice, we would stick together downstairs in like his basement and just continue to like to jam for a little while. We would just kind of keep playing. Um, cause, uh, I don't know. It's just fun to do it. And then, um, a couple months later I booked us a gig and we had to find a name. So we came up with pale tongue. Um, and, uh, we were a duo in that project for, or in this project rather for, um, like seven months. Mm. Uh, we were just trying to do like the whole kind of like, Kind of like the art flash style, you know? Um, and then, uh, yeah. How, how did you, know. you and Nick first meet? We, well, we actually met uh, at our first Real Adults practice. Mm. Um, I mean, Doug and I were invited to come down. We had learned some of the songs. Um, I think uh, with anyone, you don't immediately, like, warm up to, like, you know, the pe- like people that you're, like, meeting for the first time. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. Real Adults was like a super special group. Like we were, we were great friends, and uh, when it was good, it was really good, and we had a lot of fun together. Um, they're all such talented musicians, every single one of them, um, and I, like I'm really fortunate that Nick and I were able to stick together through this process, um, and I don't know, come up with a lot of stuff. Uh, anyone that plays with Nick will tell you that like he can just like read your mind, and it's totally true. Like I've I've never had to worry um, about anything, really, when it comes to how we're, we write our music. Um, he just instantly gets it. He knows exactly, like, what I want when I'm playing something. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's just awesome. He's a great partner in crime. And so, so you guys were, like, a duo for, like, the first several months. But, yeah. um, well, Tanner Spreer here. Right, uh, plays on the EP, but you guys have been playing with James from Arc Flash. Now. Right. Yes. So, how, was 
was Tanner just supposed to be kind of just temporary, like for the recordings? Or yeah, so we at, so at the time, um, Tanner, uh, who plays in, or yeah, he's in Psychic Heat. Yeah. Um, James from Arc Flash and I, we were all living together, um, and Mark from Arc Flash at the time. Um, we were all living together in Lawrence, and uh, I was going to enter Pale Tongue into Farmer's Ball, but I knew we needed a bassist because we just probably couldn't cut it um, as a duo. So Tanner offered to do it temporarily, um, to just come in and play. So we played Farmer's Ball together, and then we thereafter played for, um, I think, several months together, him and the project uh, playing bass. Um, and then uh, we recorded four out of six songs on the EP when Tanner was with us. Um, and then the last two songs, I, I just dubbed everything myself. But um, Tanner left for a little while, and then instead we had uh, our friend Joel Stratton. Um, he plays in a project called uh, Tropic of Leo. Um, really, really super smart musician, just like knows his jazz like really well, can pick up like, like that. Um, and uh, so yeah, he was playing with us as kind of an interim bassist. Um, and then Tanner came back for a little while, um, left the project, and just recently, yeah, James has been playing with us. Um, and uh, that's been really, really awesome. James is just like, just gets it. And he just like snaps right to it. He's got a great work ethic. Um, and he's just like, I don't know. He's got, he's got great ear. And plus, I mean, now um, Nick is playing Arc Flash. So essentially Arc Flash is the rhythm section of Pale Tongue. And it's awesome because they're just so locked in, you mm-hmm. know. It's like to to have a band like that, uh, to just have a rhythm section that you just completely rely on. Um, super cool because it like lets me have the the breath to be able to do what I need to do. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, and so you guys are kind of now, yeah, like kind of sister bands with Arc Flash, yeah, and for sure. I guess kind of by extension, Psychic Heat. Except they haven't been super active lately, like. Is is Nick going to be playing in Psychic Heat now? Like, what's do you know what's I, up with them? <laughs> I <laughs> haven't talked to um, any of those guys in there. <coughs> Excuse me. So Psychic Heat is currently taking a break right now. Mm. Um, I think some of the members are just trying to focus on some other things outside of the project. Like mm. Tanner's a graphic designer. He's been working um, in the scene as like an artist uh, for a while, and he, I mean, he does like all the repo flyers and stuff like that. Yep. Um, so I think he's just trying to focus on that because I mean that's that's like his career path, you know. Um, and uh, I don't think Nick is going to... I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for him. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if Nick is going to be playing with Psychic Heat or not. But, yeah, I mean, by extension, we're all kind of a trio act, you know? We all just kind of, like, go in and out of each other's bands, um, which is really cool because when I first came to Lawrence, um, it was, like, the Farmer's Ball of 2013, um, I saw Psychic Heat, uh, I found Psychic Heat's EP online, and I was, like, listening to them. I was, like, super into them. Um, and then I saw them play Farmer's Ball with uh, your friend. Um, or was it your friend? Uh, I forgot who, who. Oh, Paper Buffalo was playing that bill, too. Mm. That was nuts. That was, like, the best Farmer's Ball ever. And I was just, I go up to Evan afterwards. Um, Evan heard from Psychic Heat, and I'm like, man, you guys just, like, you're just like nuts, like just so good. And um, lo and behold, like I ended up like 
playing with those members like in my own band and it was like super awesome to have like that influence and to have like their knowledge come into this like burgeoning project that I'm trying to start you know by the time that I had started Pale Tongue, I mean, I'd only really been playing locally in the scene for, um, I guess, like a year and a half. Um, and, uh, I mean, now it's probably, it's been like three years that I've been playing it, you know. Um, but it's it, w- it was super cool to be able to play with Tanner and to be able to, like, share, like, members in our bands together. Because um, I, like, totally looked up to say, and I still look up to Psyche Keith. They're just, like... They're veterans, dude. They're awesome. I, they're so good at what they do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess we are kind of just um, rotating like sister bands, you know. Mm. I know Psyche Heat's not really active right now, and Art Flash is still active. But um, I guess our three bands were like the the psych rock bands of like the area, you know. Um, and so I guess we're trying to just like. At least in Pale Tongue, I guess I'm trying to like not carry the torch per se, but um, I don't know, keep the spirit alive that like Psyche Heat like brought to me, you know, mm-hmm. when I first saw them. So, oh yeah, like I I was kind of gonna ask like, what what do you think make like do you think there's something in specific that makes Lawrence a great town for like garage rock and psych rock and stuff, or do you think it is kind of just a coincidence that that sound is like? pretty successful there yeah we've i've talked a lot about this with some of the other musicians there it's it's definitely like i don't know i I think it's because lawrence is just like it's just weird um i lived in lawrence for about six years now maybe going on seven um it's i mean it's it's true there's definitely like uh i mean between bands like karma vision and oils um all the way to like your friend and like psychic heat uh and art flash i mean like I don't know. It's like a town that like loves their delay pedals. <laughs> like honestly, um, I don't know. Yeah, slogan for the city. Yeah, no, it's so true. <laughs> like we totally do. Art Flash, dude. Like Delay King um, knows how to work delay pedal better than anybody. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. Um, I can't really. I can't really pin it. But I think it's. I think it's like one band kind of just inspires the next band. And the next band. Um, I mean, I. Pale Tongue, early Pale Tongue was like heavily inspired by Art Flash mm-hmm. for sure. Like I, um, I mean, I'm really honored to call James my best friend and my roommate and also my bandmate. Um, but, uh, I mean, I looked up to, and I still do, I look up to these guys. Um, and, uh, I think I was just trying to imitate the, the things that I really enjoyed. Um, and then it, as with anything, um, it just kind of becomes, you, you make it your own and turn it into, uh, I guess your own style. Um, and that's kind of what I did when I watched like Seki heat and, and art flash some years ago. Um, I just took a little piece of that and then try to like in, inject it into the stuff that I was doing. And then it com- it just became its own thing, you know? Um, and I think that's really like the spirit of Lawrence bands, just kind of like playing together, sharing things together, uh, being motivated by each other. Um, I mean, I love the Kansas City Lawrence music scene, um, but I've always really felt at home in Lawrence because, uh, I don't know, it's like every, everybody just knows each other. And even if we're, like, not playing a show together, we're, we're always going to each other's shows and just, like... I mean, you can say that about anywhere, of course. You know, it's not, like... It's a unique thing, but it definitely, when you're there in Lawrence and you're 
playing with these bands, I, it feels unique, you mm-hmm. know? So, and I guess I was kind of curious about um, some of like the lyrical themes on the EP and what sure. kind of inspired your, your writing there. Yeah, so I, uh, I've always been... Okay, so to explain that, let me explain to you where the name Pale Tongue comes from. Mm. Um, I play this video game series called Dark Souls. <laughs> and in Dark Souls, uh, there is an item called a Pale Tongue. Essentially, the long and short of it is when you're playing another player online and you kill that player you rip their tongue out and it's a trophy and it's, it's like a pale tongue. You like offer it to your God as like part of the covenant. I don't know. It's like stupid lore. Um, so that's kind of where I got the idea from. Uh, cause I was like, Oh, this sounds like pretty heavy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, that game series, uh, draws a lot from like Lovecraft and stuff like that. And I'm a really big fan of like Lovecraftian cosmic horror. Like the idea that, um, there are these like, these, this whole like existence and these like entities and these beings that are so ancient and primordial that like you can't even like fathom them into like the idea that's just like drive you mad. Like I think it's super cool. And I really wish that like um, a lot of like modern horror would draw from stuff like that. Um, Cause I think it's like super cool. Um, so I guess I tried to like bring elements of, um, Cause I'm just a big nerd, dude. You know, I just try to bring elements of like role playing and like dungeon crawling, um, kind of like all the stuff that I love in like a really good video game, um, and like try to just mix it together with um, I don't know, like super Lovecraftian, weird, cosmic, uh, just chaotic uh, goodness, you know. Um, and so the songs, a lot of them. Um, are kind of disjointed in the total context of, I guess, what the album is. Um, but they're, it's all, like, it's all kind of, like, subcontextually uh, Lovecraftian in a way, you know? Or at least, like, it's fantastical in some manner. Um, I tried to be, like, a serious songwriter and actually write songs about, like, like, like the way I emote and, and the way I'm feeling, and it just doesn't doesn't translate because um, I think I took a hard look at myself and realized that I wasn't a songwriter, but I'm a guitarist, you know, and um, I can speak more through like the way I play than the way I can, I like I'm writing or the way, what I have to say. Um, So I kind of just made that work for me. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to be able to like write about anything that's like super like emotive, I might as well just write about like stupid, scary bullshit and just like, make it work. Um, so that's, you know, where a lot of that comes from. Um, the lead single that we have on the EP is called King and Yellow. That is entirely inspired by this, uh, Lovecraftian story, um, from like the late 1800s. This guy named Robert Chambers wrote this weird story about this, I don't know, this like cosmic creature in some like far off universe or something like that. I don't know. But I was like, yeah, dude, like, I fucking love that story and let's like use it. And I like just wrote a song about it, you know, R slash Lovecraft. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, no, you're kind of saying that like, you don't see yourself as like a particularly like strong songwriter in the sense that like, you're not like good at like articulating your emotions or that type of thing. But like, I don't know. I feel like once you are like 
just kind of putting the pen to the paper and like writing all these songs, even though they're not like super personal maybe, but like, I think once you kind of like work on that muscle of like just writing songs and like figuring out the, I don't know, just like the format of it and everything. Like I I feel like you probably will like learn how to like inject like more personal aspects (coughs) of it a little better. Yeah. Um, we have a song on the EP. It's called uh, Fever Dreams. It's track four. Mm. Um, I guess that one is probably the most personal one because um, it doesn't actually deal with any like um, horror themes or like Lovecraft themes. It's it's uh, uh, like the lyrics are um, like I could say it'd be fine that we just be all right, like stuff like that, and um when I wrote that song, it, it didn't have any meaning, I guess the chords had meaning the way the song was like the way I was playing it. It made me feel a way, but, um, then I tried to take some like personal experience, like experiences rather that I've, I've had recently in my life. And when I had to put the pen to paper and when I had to finish writing the songs, I was able to draw from that and kind of like make this, um, make a more emotive song than what I had written before. Um, and, I think I'm getting better at that for sure. I think as I'm, I think I'm kind of afraid of doing it, but as I'm forced to do it, um, I find that it's getting a little easier as I go forward. And I think um, this next foray into um, whatever we do next, whatever uh, be a seven inch or album or you know what have you, um, I think I'm going to try to work that muscle out a bit more and uh, try to find, try to dig a little deeper into the way that I'm writing my lyrics and the content of what my songs are. Because um, uh, I was kind of afraid of it at first, but I don't know. I think the feedback that I've had from that song um, and just how I feel about it now uh, have kind of like pushed me in a, in a direction where um, I'm a little less afraid of trying to uh, expose myself a little more, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and... Um... I guess I was also a little curious about um, the EP's release. Like you, it's it's like uh, like kind of co-released by Mana Records right, right. and Indigo Sun Records. Yeah, so because um, I, I know Mana Records is like the Mama's Boy guys, right, right. But I, I don't know anything about Indigo Sun. Is that like something you work on or no? So Indigo Sun, um, I actually hadn't, I, I hadn't known indigo son uh, his name is taylor mchenry mm. uh he's he's just uh he's a guy out here that's that's running like a small tape label um so uh even though we went through manor records to do the official release um i uh sean crowley from manor records uh recommended um that we go through taylor um for like distribution and to like actually duplicate the tapes um he offered us a really sweet deal uh and he did like super great work um on everything from like the Norelco box to just like the, the, how like the design that I made transferred to the layout. Um, so they're relatively small right now, I think. Um, but, uh, I mean, they have mama's boy and pale tongue like on their portfolio right now. So, um, I think we're actually going to do another run of tapes. I'm I'm probably going to go to Taylor again. Uh, but uh, it's, I don't know, it was a super nice experience for, like, our first time. We definitely wanted to do something that was, like, super small and manageable, something that was more of a commodity piece. So we wanted to go with tapes instead of doing, like, 
CDs or even attempting to like do like vinyl. I mean, we can't even stretch six songs on the vinyl, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I think the next release, uh, I mentioned earlier, I didn't know what we were going to do, but I think we're going to do a seven inch. Nice. Um, that's just kind of what I'm thinking. Um, just a little easier to at least keep the, keep the ball moving. Um, but not like dig yourself into a hole super deep with like a whole like 45 minute LP. Like, mm. man, <laughs> that's going to be rough, but I mean, that's, it's a goal, I guess. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. And you did the album art for the EP also, and you also do something called fuzzy optics. Fuzzy optics. Yeah. Which is like your, like, uh, I don't know. What would, what would you call it? (laughs) Um, so fuzzy optics is, I guess it's like my, my name for when I do, um, analog visuals. Mm. Um, so I, I produce art that's, um, I guess it's, I guess what you can say is it's glitch art. Essentially it's what it is. Mm. Um, I got into doing glitch art and doing analog visuals um, because I was looking for a really cool light show for Pale Tongue. Um, And it kind of led me down this weird path of starting to get into this thing called video synthesis, which is just like, um, it's just like pretty much mixing video signals together with like old, uh, you know, TV equipment, like, um, CRT televisions, um, old video mixers, uh, the feedback that that kind of stuff generates when it's like really like when the circuits are bent and it's like glitched out. Um, my roommate, James, he, uh, was actually doing stuff really similar to what I was doing. Um, and he lent me some of his gear, um, to kind of like start like figuring out like what I was doing or even like, you know, um, and from that, I was able to produce, like, a couple, like, really small, cool, like, clips of just, like, weird video feedback and, and like, really glitched out stuff. And that kind of led me down a rabbit hole of getting my own stuff. Um, now I have, like, my room is, like, filled with just, like, a bunch of, like, RCA cables and, like, stupid, like, little weird devices. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been doing that for about a year and some months now. Um, it's really cool. I've been able to meet, like, a lot of other... Um, analog glitch artists on like Instagram, etc. Um, some of the artists that I know um, went out and just did desert days. Um, they're doing like a Saturnalia festival, um, Austin City Limits, and like some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize it, but like, so I guess like in the history of like psych rock, um, there's always been like uh, live oil painting kind of stuff like that. Um, but now I think what people are really into are, are like analog, like these glitchy, super weird visuals. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I have the equipment to do it and I've just been trying to, um, I don't know, trying to do more and more. I'm trying to do like visuals for people like here, um, in the scene, a lot of artists, um, like musicians don't, have uh visuals for their sets yeah especially seen, like rock bands yeah like it's in super it's it's like huge in austin and in like la i mean like they're hiring these artists to do like these huge festivals for like king gizzard and tame impala yeah but um here in like the midwest i guess at least diy um it's not really happening and uh i guess i'm just trying to um I'm trying to incorporate that in my project, but I'm trying to also give that to other artists as well. Um, 
I've, I've done shows with uh, Why God Why, um, uh, Lucas Carpenter. He's a local musician around here. Mm. Um, I've done shows for Arc Flash too. I mean, I have a visual set for Peloton as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of it just came out of just messing around with VHS tapes and stuff like that that I had lying around. Mm. Um, for the album art, uh, which was actually my first foray into graphic design, um, I, I mean, I, it was just, I just made an image, just like a video feedback loop, and I just took a picture with my camera. Um, and then in the insert, there's a picture of Nick and I, um, and I just ran that picture through a bunch of uh, analog effects that I had generated um, and then just photoshopped it all up, just cropped it all. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah, and I think the first time I'd seen you do the... Uh, live visuals was for the Gorilla Toss show at White Schoolhouse. That's right, yeah. And that was super yeah. fun to see. And Man, everyone got time. the, like, the little, uh, would those be, like, 3D glasses? Or are they kind of more, like, kaleidoscopic type stuff? Diffraction lenses. Diffraction mm. glasses. So, just, like, so that, like, any any light you look at just, like, shoots, like, a rainbow um, spectrum thing. Um, that was actually totally Paige Batson's idea. <laughs> um, Peachy Productions. Mm. Uh which was super awesome. It totally like worked out with our visuals that we had going on. I, I worked with um, uh, the artist that does visuals for Gorilla Toss on the road. Um, and we were just like, yeah, let's just do a collab together. And so we just threw our projections over each other. And yeah, I mean, I, I ended up being like super, super cool. I mean, I, I love Gorilla Toss. Um, I've been like, wanting to see them for years. And it was like super cool to be able to do visuals for them especially in like this cool setting with like all these cool people everyone's wearing these like weird ass glasses um but i mean kind of like the stuff that i was doing that night is essentially how i came up with the um the album art you know i just took like a million different pictures and was like this is the coolest looking one i guess Mm. (laughs) um yeah i don't know i've i definitely enjoy um doing that and I enjoy that, like, I can also do it with music and do it for other artists because I really do think um, that having a really awesome visual experience is, like, super important. And I see a lot of bands come through town and I play with a lot of bands um, that, uh, man, they're just just so awesome, just just viscerally great experiences, but... um, I mean, like, what what sets, like, uh, you know, like, what sets apart, like, a stadium performance from, like, uh, from, like, the Granada? Like, I mean, it's, like, the lights, you know? I mean, like, lights are super important, and I think just having a really good visual set uh, will really elevate uh, your act to, like, the next level, and I really want to bring that to the Midwest, I guess, or at least just try to bring it to Kansas City and Lawrence, you know? Mm. So... I think it's important. Are there any like bigger shows you've seen with like cool visual elements that have like really inspired any of your work or like that you just got really excited about at all? Um, yeah. So, uh, I watched, um, I watched a video of, okay. First, like King Gizzard, like Jason Galea is just like, man, he's, he's like a true wizard, like in like all of his like visual stuff. I mean, he's doing everything for them. But, um, I mean, when I had realized that like 
the so the video he did for Crumbling Castle, and I realized that like a lot of the techniques he was using to create those visuals in that video were stuff that I, I had access to. I was like, man, this is nuts. Like, I can totally do this. Um, and then I had watched uh, Tim and Paula's, like, panorama of, like, 2017, and they had this, like, that's, I think that's when they debuted their, like, current light show. It was just insane. All this cool stuff, and I looked into, like, how that light show was made, and that was, like, uh, like three or four different teams of, um, of like, graphic designers, uh, like, digital artists, like, um, media compositors, just all this, like, all these people coming together to make this like super cool experience. Um, and so that kind of inspired me to, uh, to try to hone in on, cause I, w- I was already making the visuals at that point, but trying to hone in on, um, on doing it just for, for like my project. Cause I started looking to do it for my project. Um, I then kind of got distracted and was just like, oh, I just want to make cool art in general. But then that kind of like brought me back to like, okay, wait, let me focus and make this about like, not just about doing visual art on the side, but like somehow trying to incorporate this into, um, I don't know, into Pale Tongue. You know, like I was like, I had everything that I needed to do. Um, so that's why I made the, the album art. Um, I did that music video that we just released with you, um, The Stone. And that was uh, all just just random analog footage that I just glitched and uh, made it work, you know, mm. just cut it up later on. No, so. yeah, if anyone hasn't seen that video, too, that's on the website, and I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, that was no, fun to make. No, yeah, and no, yeah, just, like, the Gorilla Toss show, though, too, like, just to go back to that, like, like, during during their set, like, you would just see, like, these little, like, you would, you would see, like, these, like, deep-fried memes pop into the <laughs> background and, like, these old right. cartoon clips and everything, and just, like, yeah, it was just, like, it made me really wish that there were more, like, rock shows and DIY shows that yeah. I went to that kind of utilized that stuff, because, like, like, with, like, cues from, like, <laughs> lyrics and stuff, mm-hmm. you can only, you can already just dive into a whole different world of like visual elements and then even just kind of going off the mood you can even like I don't know yeah it's not it's it's very it's a very underutilized field in the DIY scene I think no I I entirely agree I mean any house show that I that I do that I can bring um my visual rig to I will like most certainly do and I mean, like artists are doing it too. I mean, um, face face, like he's got this super cool, um, Ryan, he's got this like super cool, um, video synthesizer box that, uh, I was playing with, um, on a show that we did together. Um, but it's just like triggered by audio. You just plug it right into your PA and it just like, it can like, you just twist the knobs, but it's like, generating these shapes um to the beat Mm. and like that's just super cool like that's that like brings it to like it elevates it to that next level um and even if it's not in like in a performance i think artists just need to focus on um focus on like their media and focus on like their the like their representation visually um mama's boy uh Jared Bajkowski does like a lot of cool um, little like videos and gifs 
for Mama's Boy, just just to like promo a show or like promo tour or something like that. But like that kind of stuff definitely sets them apart from a lot of bands that I've seen around here. Um, and even um, High Westus uh, just put out that like a short film, like a twenty five minute short film for an album. Like that's like visionary, you know. I mean, like like I, you know, I think I've seen things like that done before, but for that to happen in like this area. Like that guy deserves like some super recognition because that's a lot of work, um, and to understand that like, uh, you know, like music can't exist without like some type of imagery. I mean, like album art in, in itself. Like, you have to put a picture to what you're hearing um, and to take that to the next level. Um, I definitely respect Sean Teamer for like even producing that because um, that's like an ambitious effort, um, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I really do think that artists really in this area really need to start focusing on like their their media presence, and um, that's what I'm trying to do a lot with Pale Tongue. Because just because like I'm like, oh, dude, I have all this equipment. Why not just like make stuff just constantly for it? Like, you know, why not create an aesthetic for yourself? Yeah, so. and even like with just how accessible that like Photoshop and video editing stuff exactly. is at this point, like it, it's kind of you know, dumb not to. No, yeah. no, for like super serious. I mean, um, so when I went to school, I was, I was a film major for like three years. Um, even before then I was doing like video broadcasting in high school and stuff like that. And, um, I was super lucky to be able to retain the knowledge of like learn, like knowing how to do some audio and like, um, how to like operate these editing suites. But like, I had never even touched like, um, Photoshop until I was forced to, um, when we were designing the album art. Um, but, uh, I mean, like, I don't know, but I was able to create what I was able to create with, with the knowledge of like, you know, the, the editing suites and like, like the film editing suites and stuff like that. And then I was just like, okay, well I have all this stuff made, um, from editing and stuff like that. Let's just like force myself to, to, work with it on Photoshop. Um, there's no reason why anyone, uh, who's able to, uh, that wants to do it, um, that wants to create this aesthetic for their project or whatever, um, can't learn stuff like Adobe Premiere, Final Cut Pro, even like Windows Movie Maker, you know, just basic, just chop stuff up and just press play. Like, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen some bands that like, um, maybe their stuff like wasn't all like super, super great, but like, man, they're doing it. And that's like super awesome to see that like, they at least know that like how important it is to have visual representation. And like, even if your music video is just like, like, obviously like my, like I like the stuff that we've done and I'm proud of it, but like, I know I could do like so much better and I'm going to continue to do so much better, but just trying to do it is like super important and like mad props to bands and artists out there um, that understand the necessity of media representation visually. Mm. It's super important. Oh yeah. And you mentioned that you were a film major at KU and I guess I also was, I was going to ask like what type of work you were doing while you were there, like what kind of film and stuff you were focusing on. Yeah. So, um, I went into film school at KU um, having this idea of, like, what I thought I was going to do. Um, you know, I wanted to just, like, I wanted to be, like, a cinematographer. I wanted to, like, get behind the camera and, like, 
create like the composition of films and stuff like that. Um, but I ended up taking um, a class my freshman year. Uh, it was called experimental film. Completely changed how I perceived uh, film. And um, I think I a lot of like what I do now um, is, if not derived, definitely inspired by um, a lot of the stuff that like I had seen like in that class. It totally stuck with me. Um, and, uh, it completely just, like I said, changed how I thought about film because everyone thinks film is just like this, it's a narrative piece. Everyone thinks it's like, there's a beginning, middle ends, like like climax and denouement. But like, um, it challenged me to think of film as like an actual art form. I mean, you have, uh, like artists that were, um, taking actual film like there's this there's this uh filmmaker's name is stan brackage i'm super influenced by him he was taking actual film was painting on the film every single frame was with like different oil paint or like scratching into it or whatever um and uh yeah and it was that like just ran it through the reel and like that was like film you know um and so that kind of stuff uh was the stuff that i was trying to do when i was in school um but i ended up uh, uh, KU Film School, you ended up just, you, you kind of end up learning a lot of theory as opposed to more practice, you know. Um, I think I would have liked a program that had uh, more opportunities for um, production uh, within the school itself as opposed to, like, having to join a club like Filmworks or something like that. Totally not, like, dissing on KU Film. I mean, I met a lot of great people, and there are a lot of great people in that department. Um, and it's super valuable to have a, a film school in the middle of, like, nowhere, in the middle of, like, the Midwest. You know, you'd have to go to, like, um, Northwestern or someplace else to help go, like, find a good film school. But, man, they do a damn good job. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, hey, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have been exposed to a lot of the things that have influenced me now. Um, like, uh, like the experimental films that like I had seen, like, you know, I just really like that stuff. And, uh, mm. I don't, I think if I were to go back to film school, I probably wouldn't want to do anything like narrative. I'd probably just want to try to do like the experimentalist route, something like that. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. And so pale tongue has like, you kind of have, a a Midwest tour kind of split in half that you're right. kind of in the middle of right now because you went and played um, like a DIY fest in Fayetteville, yeah. Arkansas mm-hmm. last week and a couple shows leading up to that, like Springfield, Missouri, I think, right? Yeah, or, so yeah. this past weekend uh, we played... Um, we did Springfield, Tulsa, and then we did uh, Mid-South DIY Fest in Fayetteville, and then we came to Kansas City and played at uh, the Stray Cat Film Center, which is, like, super awesome, by the way. Like, that's, like, such a cool space. Um, yeah, the the idea of, of splitting it up was literally just so I could, like, have the weekdays to work. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, I don't know, it, it kind of just makes more sense to just, like, do it on the weekends when you're bound to make more money anyways um, and just get better draws at shows and stuff like that. Um but uh, this first leg of the tour was anchored around that Mid-South 
um, DIY Fest. We played with the bands from Fayetteville um, back in the spring for the Mana Record Showcase called The Flems. Um, if you haven't heard of them, they're super, like, oh, they're, like, nuts. Um, but, yeah, so they asked us back then if we'd be interested. We locked it down over the summer. Um, and then, yeah, we came and played the second night of that show. Um, it was super cool. Uh, Calvin Johnson from K-Rex played. Um, super cool to see, like, just, like, that figure, like, in the same, like, double-wide trailer that is Backspace DIY. Mm. Um, I, was, I was like, wow, like, this is nuts. Um, but that festival was just awesome. I mean, like, Ten High played, The Flams, um, just a lot of cool bands. This cool band from Austin called Crow Magnus. Um, and that was the first time we had played Fayetteville, and we received, like, a really warm welcome. Um, all the people there are super awesome. It's a really vibrant scene. Um, they really, really like understand the DIY aesthetic out there. And, uh, it's cool that like, you can just go to a place like that and just be like taken in. So like lovingly, um, with your art and, uh, definitely going to try to play Fayetteville again soon. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the first leg of the tour this week. We're going to play in Columbia, um, with our friends from, uh, Illinois, the golden fleece, uh, they're kind of from that whole like day trotter scene with like Condor and Jaybird and stuff like that. Um, and they're just like really awesome. We're going to do the rest of the tour next week with them too. We're going to go play, um, uh, in Illinois, uh, for two dates, then Milwaukee, um, and, uh, oh, and then Minneapolis. So it's going to be a super fun time with them. The golden fleece are just like, such talented musicians and they like really keep that like psych uh kind of like psych pop rock thing like really going strong out there um especially considering day chatter is not really a thing anymore um but they're like totally like that's not stopping any of them and they're just like powering through and like making their own spaces and stuff like that so that'll be really fun oh yeah and did Mama's Boy and Salty both play the Fayetteville Fest as well, or um, one of them? I I think Salty may have played the day before. Mm. Um, I don't think Mama's Boy played, though. Okay. But I think we've all kind of been talking about trying to do South By together. So um, I think, I don't know, everyone's trying to do South By. It's kind of tough <laughs> um, figuring out everybody's schedules, but... Yeah. Um, at some point, uh, I know Arc Flash and Pale Tongue are going to try to do South by together. Probably going to try to link up with Mama's Boy on one of those dates. Um, and then probably like try to link up with the Flems at some point, um, in there. I don't know. It's, it's like super tricky. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's South by, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love Mama's Boy. They're just like, just awesome, awesome dudes. And, uh, Sean Crowley has just been like such a huge help in this whole EP process. Um, and, uh, yeah, going to probably try to play a show with them pretty soon. So now, yeah, so you have these few more tour dates this month, and mm -hmm. you're thinking about doing South, you're trying to do South by, and you said you want to try to get a seven-inch done next. Is Yeah, there... so I guess the timeline is is that we're going we're gonna to finish up this tour, probably play a few shows, um, in the area. Maybe not Lawrence all too often. I'm trying to play a little less in town. Um, then 
I think after that, we're definitely going to try to do South by and tree fort, um, come March, like springtime, probably try to do like a month long run. Um, and then I think after that, uh, I guess in between now and when we do that, we're going to try to record, um, some new stuff, probably try to put it out in the summer and see if we can, uh, start to do like a West coast run by the end of 2019. We played with this band called Frankie and the Witch Fingers, and they're just, like, super cool. We played with them twice. They're um, they're a pretty hot band out in L.A. right now, and so we're going to, I don't know, try to, try to get in contact with them and uh, see if uh, see if the West Coast is, is feeling it, I guess, you know. it's I mean, it, it is, though. It's it's super nuts out there. I went to Desert Days just a couple weeks ago, and, uh, man, they, they're vibing out there. Did my buddy Valentine play that yeah. first? Did you see it? The mm. loudest band I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, seriously, like, man, um, you know, I saw Deer Hunter at the Granada and I thought that was like a super loud band. I think it was just mixed poorly. <laughs> but, uh, holy shit, my bloody Valentine was just like so, like, I had to like walk to the campground like 20 minutes away to even discern like what instruments were being played. I knew it was all Kevin Shields guitar. Like I was like, okay, like <laughs> literally anything I'm hearing right now is just a guitar. Even that drum beat dude, like that kick is a guitar, <laughs> but like, man, I mean, it was an awesome experience. Like they're, they're like such a cool band. Um, but boy, was it loud. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, is there anything else that you want to plug or any, you know, stuff like that? Anything you forgot to mention? So far? Um, for Pale Tongue, uh, huh, no, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I think we're kind of just, uh, just kind of coasting right now on this tour. Um, the EP's on Bandcamp. EP's and- out everywhere. EP's on all mm-hmm. major streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Tidal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tidal, dude. <laughs> um, you got cas- cassettes, too. Yeah, we've got some cassettes. Uh, we're doing another run of cassettes, a second edition. Um, and then I think we're also going to be trying to do some CDs for you mm-hmm. know the folks that don't have players in their cars. Because um, I'd like a CD, of, of course. Um yeah, we're going to finish up this tour. We're going to start writing. Um, we've got a couple different dates uh, coming up here in town. We're going to be playing um, Saturday, December 8th at the replay. Um, I'm not sure who with, but uh, it'll be it'll be pretty tight. Um, we're going to try to get some cool bands on that bill. Um, aside from that, we're going to kind of just lay low. Uh, you know, check it out online and... Um, Give us a follow, follow us on Instagram, uh, and then um, hopefully in the next month or so, you'll hear a new announcement from us, because um, by at least mid-January, we're going gonna to try to do something again pretty soon. Cool. Cool. Yeah, and people can follow at Mag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit the website, shuttlecockmusic.com, for all the articles and the photo galleries. Um, and make sure you subscribe to the Shuttlecock Podcast on iTunes and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, you can get our T-shirts, photo zines, and buttons at shuttlecockmag.bigcartel.com. And uh, look out for some punk shows we've got booked coming up. Haven't announced any yet, but there should be some coming up soon. Cool. But, no, yeah, I appreciate you yeah. being on the show today. Thanks for having me, of course. <laughs>